Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going to be going over UFC Rochester, which is headlined by Rafael Dos Anjos and Kevin Lee. Uh, big fight for the welterweights. Uh, really looking forward to seeing how Kevin Lee showcases his uh, abilities in moving up in weight class uh, for this. And RDA, if he's going to be able to deal with another pressure wrestler, which he has been for the last several fights. But this week, we have a very honorary guest with us for this uh, episode of, or this segment for the casuals. We got my man Big Rob. Yeah. And we got Robbie Woots back in the house. Hey, yo. It's been several episodes without him, but I'm glad to have him back. Uh, and luckily, we had a great event this past weekend at uh, UFC 237 in Brazil that ended with a fucking bang uh, for the uh, Women's Strawweight Championship. Fucking, I'm glad that you guys were here for this one because it was probably one of the highlights of the year. It's going to be on those highlight reviews. You guys may I'm have excited. seen it. I'm okay. excited. You guys I may have seen, seen it, but it's like, cool. it's fucking pretty cool. Coming okay. from girls that weigh roughly 125 pounds each. Oh, wow. Just saying, yeah, they're fucking small. This girl is uh, Andrade in the yellow shorts. She's like 5'3 or some shit, but she's just a Ooh. fucking tank. And you'll oh see what God. I mean in a second. Okay. So we're going to be kicking things off with two minutes and 11 seconds left in the second round. Okay. Uh, that's roughly when shit hits the fan. So Nami Yunus is the one that's defending this right now. Okay. Oh, I did see this. So she she slammed her right on her head. Pretty much. She went out. She went out pretty much. So did she broke her neck? Did she break her neck? No, she's She's okay. okay. She is okay. Wow. But like something so powerful. Like you guys saw the the velocity that she was able to pick her up in. And she was hold the girl that got slammed was holding on to uh, Andrade's arm to to try to like uh, threaten with like a submission, saying I right. might get your arm if you fuck up this, you fuck this up, and wow, she's like all right, cool, and she's okay, <laughs> hold on, she she's didn't good. break, she she's didn't good. break her neck, nope, thank God, she did an interview after like she's good, she's sitting up, wow, no injuries, nothing, she's good, but that's vicious, it's ridiculous how much like how powerful she was able to like powerfully she was able to slam her, it's they're probably gonna show the fun. They're showing everybody crying. <laughs> wow. She was getting fucked up in that first round too, though. Like, she was close to getting knocked out. She was close to getting, like, stopped. And then in the second round, she comes out and just fucking slams this wow. girl on her fucking head. Wow. Very emotional. Oh, Beast, yeah. Beastly. beastly. Their life changes, man. They win a lot more money now that they're champ. Yeah. Oh. oh. Pretty much her whole body weight landed on her head. Jeez. How fucking nuts! I actually that? did see this, and it right? was just oh, yeah. vicious angle. We'll see. Crunch. Face down. Crunch. I can't believe it didn't break anything. Oof. Oh man. Fucking Gotta have good, that? strong neck muscles, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Man. She's, that was nuts. And she's going after her, right? Even after she's not yeah. moving. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. just like, hey, you gotta some be extra sure, ones. man. You gotta be sure. Oh, yeah. You gotta be sure. Yeah. It's like boom. Okay. Oh. Head first. Fucking insane. Wow. One, two, three. Okay, two and a half strikes she ate after that. Fucking crazy. If that angle was just any sharper, it was that was possible. That could be possible fatality, man. Yeah. Dunzo. For sure. There's never been like a Okay. There's never been anything like that. The only real way like somebody has died in MMA is from weight cutting. Like they cut too much they cut fucking twenty five pounds in twenty hours or some shit. No. To try to make weight. Like that's the only way there has ever been a death. Nothing in the UFC. Oh, uh, wow. It's just been in, like, fucking Thailand or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking nuts. Wow. One of the crazier finishes this week. That was probably <laughs> one of the most intense ones that you've ever showed me. Remember when we talked about Like, I even asked yeah. him, I think, a couple episodes ago. I'm like, if there is one that really stuck out to you, is, is there one that you could say? The, I think he said the, the Ngannou over him one where he, like, uppercut. But this one, For I know, me, it's probably taking the cake now. I was so sure yeah. she died. I, was, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I really mean that. See, I, 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 I so saw sure. your reaction in terms of, like, I, is she okay? Like, yeah. the first thing that came to your mind was, is she okay? <laughs> yeah, like, it didn't even... Uh, yeah, right? uh, there was no yeah. way. Yeah. That was fucking crazy. Wow, she was lucky. Makes for a good gif. Yeah. Gif or gif? <laughs> gif. I say gif. Right? I say gif. Yeah. I heard somebody GIF. debate this on a podcast recently. I'm like, I, th- uh, I say but gif. I think I actually, I think actually the, the guy who invented gifs, gifs or gifs, I think he pronounced it gif. So anyway. Yeah. Huh. 
Okay, well, I'm going with GIF. You're going with GIF? GIF. It's unanimous. It's GIF. So fuck you guys if you guys ever try to make fun of me yeah. <laughs> for saying that. Uh, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate Thank you, you guys. Thank helping you, me sir. Out. I don't know if you guys are going to stick around, but that's great if you guys are doing. I'd love your little chit-chat in the back. <laughs> but that's cool. That's cool. All right. So uh, we had a great week. Uh, UFC 237 fucking killed it. That's three straight winning events. You know what that means if you guys have been with me for a while now. You guys got to pay for this shit now. <laughs> Pretty plain and simple. Uh, UFC 237 started off with a bang for us with uh, Kurt Hollibaugh and Tiago Moises. Uh, negative bang, I should say. Um, minus 1.1 units on the fight going fight not going to decision. There were a lot of moments where these guys were throwing bombs. Uh, I thought that eventually either Kurt Hollibaugh was going to catch Tiago Moises, drop him and finish him, or Tiago Moises was going to catch Kurt Hollibaugh and get a submission. And one thing that kind of happened a little bit more than I thought it would, but still didn't end up in a in a, in a finish, was Tiago Moises being able to get a lot of submission uh, opportunities on the ground. Uh, really worked his jiu-jitsu, and that's what he's really known for. But Kurt Hollibaugh showed great submission defense and was able to fend off any type of submissions uh, Moises was throwing at him. So minus 1.1 units there. Uh, I'll just go into my next L uh, before we get into all the dubs that we took fucking this last weekend. Uh, but Sergio Moraes took an L to Worley Alves. Uh, that's minus one unit. I took the plus 120 shot on him. I thought it was great uh, underdog value on him. You know, he has that w- wide, or sorry, that wild like style of throwing these hooks and strikes that are bombs, uh, but he's not so accurate with them. I thought he would eventually have the success of landing something on Wally, hurting him. Uh, hurting him enough to be able to get this fight to the ground and implement his submission game. However, that was not able to happen. Wally Alves fought a great fight right off the bat through those calf kicks, rendered Sergio Moraes pretty much you know, defenseless and uh, without a wheel. And it was really d- uh, difficult for Sergio to to generate enough power to be able to rock Wally Alves. And I think that had a uh, pretty much of an effect on him halfway through the first round. So minus one unit there. Uh, but let's get on to the Ws. We had my lock of the night parlay, which was Irene Aldana and BJ, or sorry, Irene Aldana and Clay Guida. Uh, starting off with Aldana, pretty much the fight that I thought she would fight, you know, somewhat close, but she definitely was winning those rounds. There's no way she was not winning 2 nothing going into that third round. Uh, and then eventually she pulls off the armbar, so judge's decision does not fucking matter, and I'm happy about that. Uh, Clay Guido, on the other hand, this motherfucker had so many opportunities to finish BJ Penn, but could not fucking get it done. It was so frustrating. He had him on the rope so many times, yet he could not get the finish. Uh, in that third round, he just fucking, you know, grapple-fucked uh, BJ Penn. Uh, there were still some times where BJ Penn might find some success because he was throwing with a lot of heat with his boxing. He may have been gassed. However, Clay Guida, you know, being the constant work machine that he is, uh, was able to muster up enough strength in these uh, in these takedown attempts to keep B- BJ Penn on the defensive for most of that third round and then eventually get that 30-27. So, I knew it was going to be a wipeout. I thought he was going to get the finish. However, we still get the unanimous judge's decision, so I'll take the victory there. So that was a f- uh, lock of the night play for plus 3.43 units. Love that play right off the bat. As soon as those two fights were announced for this card, I'm like, I got to parlay that shit, and bam, it fucking hits. Uh, moving on to our next, our, we'll go to the dog of the night play, which was actually Ryan Spann to win by TKO over Hajirio Noguera. It was plus 180. I was very surprised that we were able to get plus 180 on this. I think Ryan Spann inside the distance was roughly minus 150. Uh, but I'm like, he's not going to submit Noguera. There was a very close chance that he was actually going to get an arm triangle choke. which actually kind of tripped me out. Uh, however, Ryan Spann, you know, gave up on it and then just unloaded bombs on Hungerio Noguera and gets that quick and easy TKO finish to help us cash 1.34, 1.35 units on that underdog play. Um, and then just moving on to my normal plays, uh, we had a... A one-unit parlay on uh, Honey Barcelos and Alexander Volkanovsky. Both guys performed brilliant, brilliantly. Uh, Honey Barcelos continues to show why uh, he's, you know, one guy to be taken seriously in that division. Uh, unfortunately, you know, you're supposed to fight Saeed Nurmagomedov in that fight. However, Saeed had to pull out. Uh, I hope they book that fight next up because that's going to be a fucking banger if they actually get that to to go down. Um, and then we had Alexander Volkanovsky having, you know, the performance of a lifetime in the sense of beating the best fighter he's ever fought before. And consensus, probably featherweight, best featherweight of all time in Jose Aldo. He was able to grind out that fight. Uh, you know, Jose Aldo just kind of didn't look like himself, but you can't really blame Jose Aldo because it must have been Alexander Volkanovsky's style of being grinding uh, quick on uh, his blitzes to to uh, close the range. He, ha- he had a bit of a... Uh, reach disadvantage as well however he was still able to land plenty of shots on Jose Aldo uh, and was getting off a lot of leg kicks which is 
kind of fucking hilarious considering it's Jose Aldo. So uh, that was 1.65 units uh, cash on that parlay. That was great. Uh, and then lastly, we finished off the night with a bang, which a fight I was very, like, I was getting fucking tripped out. I was like, please, please don't go this way for the rest of the fight. Uh, the first round, Jessica Andrade gets completely mollywhopped by Rosa Nama Yunus, uh, you know, getting getting her face jabbed off. Uh, Rose was doing a very good job of controlling the, the distance and getting out of any big shots that Jessica Andrade was able to throw. Uh, however, she could not survive that pile driver that Jessica Andrade fucking murked her with. She was trying to send her to China pretty much with that fucking slam. It was ridiculous. I showed it to the guys earlier today and fuck crazy but uh great uh great win for jessica andrade there minus 117 is what i got her at at 1.15 units two and 1.28 units so great cash on uh, jessica andrade there in total we went plus 5.61 units for a 54 percent return on investment great night and as i said uh three straight winning events now so we're getting into the fucking paid th- we're getting into the money I already got a couple plays for UFC two or sorry UFC Rochester. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be able to share them specifically with you guys, but maybe if you guys listen closely, you might be able to pick up on which fights I'm most confident in and what I possibly would bet on. But you guys got to buy that shit to find out. <laughs> anyway, let's get right into the fucking card. So we got UFC Rochester this weekend. Uh, big card in terms of the welterweight division, like I said right off the top. Uh, Rafael dos Anjos going up, going up against another heavy wrestler in Kevin Lee. Does he have the same style as a Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington to be able to, you know, uh, implement that game plan that they had on Rafael dos Anjos? I don't know. We'll we'll have to see later in this podcast. Uh, but other big fights, you know, Vicente Luque was actually supposed to fight Neil Magny. However, Neil Magny pulled out right after I made a play. So you guys got a free lock of the night play, which is unfortunately at minus 500. But I'll get into that later into the podcast. Uh, but that was a big fight. Uh, Vicente Luque really needs a big fucking fight. You know, that guy's been fighting pretty much short notice guys for the last several fights. Jalen Turner was a short notice guy that he deaded within two and a half minutes. Um but he needs a name to get onto his record so that he's able to move up these ranks. So I don't know who the fuck he's going to take the fight on five days' notice against a killer like Luke. But uh, I hope we still get to see him on the card and we hope to see him stay active and possibly get a performance of the night bonus. Um, but yeah, other good fights on the card. Uh, uh, the debut of Michelle Pereira. Uh, you know, that wacky motherfucker. I should probably should have shown these guys his last fight. Crazy, unorthodox style, just throwing wild shit. Um... Uh, he's going up against a really good technical striker in Danny Roberts, so that should be a inter- very interesting uh, matchup. Uh, but let's just fucking kick things off with the first fight of the night, which is going to be Julio Arce against Julian Arosa. Starting off with Julian Arosa, he's coming off a loss to Grant Dawson in his last fight in a fight that he got pretty much grinded out in. Uh, Grant Dawson fights later in this card as well, so I'll, I'll get into him a little bit more. But that's a very difficult style for Julian Arosa to go up against. A guy that's able to pretty much initiate the clinch and get the fight to the ground as much as he wants to, at, or at any point that he wants to, uh, is not going to work well for the stand-up striking ability of Julian Arosa. I think that uh, he is just absolutely outclassed in this fight against Julio Arce. I'm huge on Julio Arce, who unfortunately is coming off a loss for, uh, to Shaman Marais in his last fight. But I think this is going to be a fight that uh, Julio Arce gets back on the horse with. Um, I think it's going to be an impressive fight. Uh, I was surprised to see the fight doesn't go to decision as roughly it uh, was at plus money. I'm not sure if it's still there. Uh, but I think it's a great bet if that was uh, to be plus money at that time. Uh, these guys are going to bang. These guys are going to stand in front of each other. Uh, not like stupidly but like they are going to keep this fight on the feet i don't see julio arce really wanted to take this fight to the ground i think he wants to show off his striking i think he's going to have a lot of success against julian arosa and unfortunately give julian arosa his walking papers once again from the ufc and we get a julio arce finish i'm going to say in the third round he has a great gas tank and i think he's going to be able to put it on julian arosa late and eventually get the stoppage uh i wouldn't even be surprised if it's kind of like a standing tko of just julio arce going apeshit on him next up we got trevin giles against geez how can't i remember this zach cummings so trevin giles has has not fought in the ufc since 2017 it's been a while I'm, i believe he had a, a knee injury as well as something with his back as well but he is back after a long long layoff against a guy in zach cummings uh let's talk quickly about trevin giles's last fight uh he fought antonio braganetto who was also coming off a very lengthy layoff before that fight and i think the fact that antonio did not have his cardio in check really was the downfall for him in this fight uh, Trevin Giles was able to rally late and get the finish in the third round. Uh, but, you know, Antonio's 
and cardio start to show roughly around the beginning of the second round, midway through the second round. So, uh, you know, props to him for still being able to go for another five minutes or so after visibly showing his cardio issues. Uh, but Trevin Giles, you know, a little bit too much for him, was able to keep this fight standing, which is where he wanted it, um, and uh, was able to beat up Braganetto and get the finish late in that third round. I think in this fight against Zach Cummins, it's going to be a little bit harder. Uh, I know that Trevin Giles is roughly the the slight favorite right now, probably around minus 130, minus 140. Um but against Zach Cummings, he's he's fighting a guy that has really good grappling, kind of like Antonio Braganetto, though I will uh, rate Neto's uh, jiu-jitsu a little bit higher. I think that Zach Cummings uh, is going to be able to close the distance, maybe get this fight to the ground, and then work his jiu-jitsu. But I, I, I have been impressed with what Trevin Giles has bring, been able to bring to the table. Uh, you know, his destruction of James Boknovich, and especially a win over Ryan Spann, is very, you know, credible, especially considering what Ryan Spann just did this past weekend. Uh, I I, kind of lean towards Trevin Giles, but the only issue is his very lengthy layoff. His last fight that he actually fought was in December of 2017. So, you know, anything more than a year is kind of touchy-ish for some of these guys. And, you know, this is only going to be Trevin Giles' third fight in the UFC, where Zach Cummins has been, a you know, a consummate veteran of the UFC who has been around for over, like, I think six or seven years now. So, you know, he wanted... uh, a unanimous decision over Trevin Smith, Trevor Smith in his last fight before uh, he had actually lost to Michelle Prezeris via split decision in a fight that was, you know, pretty closely contested. Uh, but I think in this fight, you know, he needs to be able to close the distance. I think he has the ability to, and we have to really see where Trevin Giles' cardio is going to be after such a lengthy layoff. I think that Zach is going to push this. I think he has some value at the underdog price that he's at. Um, and I, I am going to pick him to win. Uh, I believe that he will be able to put it on Trevin Giles and get a late finish. Uh, I just love his grinding style, and I think that his ability to close the distance here and have somewhat of an iron chin uh, will be able to help him to to go on to a, I want to say either third-round submission or a decision victory, uh, but I am going to take Zach Cummings as the underdog. Next up, we got Pat Cummins versus Ed Herman. Yes, I said Ed Herman. This motherfucker is still around somehow. How? I don't know. Let's just look at his last, what is that, two, four, six, seven fights. He is two and four. Why is he still in the UFC? He's coming off of three straight losses, Nikita Krilov, um, CB Dalloway, and Gian Vellante. If your last two losses in 2017 and 2018 are CB Dalloway and Gian Vellante, you need to get the fuck out of the UFC. I love Ed Herman. He has a great style. He has a great style. He's very, he's very uh, entertaining as a fighter. But he is just not able to hang with these guys. See, Gian Vellante. Fuck. <laughs> oh, anyway. Uh, he's going up against Patrick Cummins, who's obviously not the best uh, fighter out there either. Um, but one advantage that he does have, a significant advantage that he does have in this fight uh, over at Herman is the ability to get this fight to the ground. He's a high-level wrestler. His issue has always been his gas tank. Uh, I think that... You know, he starts to wear down in that third round. But I think in this fight where Ed Herman, you know, probably has an even worse against tank, uh, I think he's going to be able to really put it on Ed Herman. I think he's going to be able to grind him out uh, and hopefully, please, fucking all the gods out there, cut Ed Herman after this fight. Done. Get out, get rid of him. Patrick Cummins, heavy favorite, minus 220-ish he's sitting at right now. Um, and, I, you know, I see a lot of people out there saying that, you know, does he deserve to be minus 220? Yes. Uh, maybe no, but yes, against a guy like Ed Herman. Uh, I think that, you know, considering how bad Ed Herman is, uh, it kind of validates why Patrick Cummins is a minus 220 favorite, especially with such a uh, imposing advantage that he has in the wrestling and grappling uh, realm here. So I think that, you know, barring a fucking horrible, you know, gas tank depletion in the third round by Patrick Cummins. I think he's going to be able to grind this fight out, uh, go three, go the full three rounds. I will give this to Ed Herman. He is slightly um, durable, so I think he's going to be able to take a beating here, but he's going to get out grappled and uh, pretty much wrestle fuck for this whole fight, and he's going to lose. Plain and simple. I'm going to take Pat Cummins by decision. Next up, we got Mike Trezano against... Grant Dawson. I don't know why the fuck my slides are all fucked up right now, but whatever. Y'all just fucking deal with it. We got Mike Trezano, 8-0, coming into this fight after a win over Luis Pena in a fight that he started off as a pretty heavy favorite in the beginning of the week, and the money slowly, slowly started to trickle in on him. Uh, I think he closed around a minus, or sorry, plus 140-ish, uh, plus 150. Um, 
somebody out there knew something that we didn't or a lot of people out there knew something that we didn't because as Luis Pena backers, everybody was just like, oh my God, the price is getting better. Holy fuck, the price is getting better. And then I saw a lot of people, you know, eventually shoot their shot. Uh, and eventually, you know, they, they got the split decision loss here. Unfortunately, Mike Trezano, you know, it was a very close fight. I watched it actually last night. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth exchanges with the, the grappling. I thought Luis Pena was going to have a little bit more success with being able to control Mike Trezano. But he showed, uh, you know, really good urgency to get the fight back up to the feet. Uh, landed a lot of good leg kicks. Landed a lot of good shots, especially considering that he had a pretty significant reach disadvantage against Luis Pena. Uh, but, you know, that Tiger Showman striking, I, lo I love that gym. I love the guys that are coming out of there with Shane Burgos and uh, Jimmy Rivera and those guys. Uh, so Mike Trezano, you know, very promising uh, prospect. But he goes up against a guy in Grant Draw... Uh, Grant, Grant Dawson. Uh, he goes up against a guy in, uh, in Grant Dawson, who's 13-1, and one, uh, coming off a victory over Julian Arosa. Again, like I said, who fought earlier uh, in this card. Uh, pretty recently, he fought in March 9th. So he's getting right back into the game uh, roughly two months later. Uh, you know, great for him. He lost a lot of time due to some USADA bullshit that he was dealing with after his Dana White Contender Series fight. Uh, but now he's rattling off, what, two fights in two months. Good for him. Get back on the get back on the horse. Uh, very promising prospect. His only loss has come against a guy named Hugh Pulley. Uh, the fight only lasted 35 seconds because Grand Dawson just rushed in, tried to get a takedown. Uh, it was up uh, up against the fence. And he was really working deep to, to try to you know get get his hands clasped behind uh, Hugh Pulley's butt to try to you know secure that double leg. And then Hugh Pulley just fucking went hammer. Or ham, I should say ham. He went ham on those fucking uh, elbows, uh, Travis Brown style, and eventually, you know, stopped Grand Dawson, completely put him out. Uh, but that's been his only, you know, wrinkle in his record. He's 13-1, and one, uh, and I think his imposing grappling style, you know, if he's able to shore up those issues which got him TKO'd in the Hugh Pulley fight, which I believe he has since he's been able to rattle off four straight victories since then, um, you know, I think it's going to be a very difficult... Uh, style for a lot of people to deal with. And I think that Mike Trezano, you know, he did get taken down by Luis Pena a couple times, but it seemed a little hard for Pena. But I, I would kind of rate Grand Dawson's wrestling slightly better due to the fact that, you know, he may not be as big as Luis Pena, but the fact that he's lower to the ground, he's able to get his hips under these guys and get the takedown in that fashion compared to Luis Pena having to go so much further down, be a little bit more uh, reliant on his height. With Grant Donson, he's a little bit more dense of a guy. He's a little bit smaller of a guy, so it's easier for him to land these takedowns. So I think that he's going to be able to land plenty of takedowns against Mike Trezano here. Uh, and he has this crazy pace, man. It's, it's insane to see the pace that he... He puts on some of these guys, and I think he's going to be a little bit too much for Mike Trezano here. So I'm going to take Grand Dawson by, I'll take him by decision. Um, and I think he's sitting at underdog money as well. So I would definitely keep an eye on that and see where that line goes. I see there is definitely some love for Mike Trezano as he did open as the underdog, but quickly became a favorite. So I think they're, you know, with the line closing a little bit, people might be more tempted to put money back on Mike Trezano. So if you're thinking about Grand Dawson, I would say wait it out, wait till maybe Friday away in there or something, and you might get a better price. Uh, but I'm going with Grand Dawson by decision. Ba-bang. Next up, we got Michelle Pereira. Let me fucking pull up this shit. <laughs> All right, we got... Goddamn. I hate... Yeah, it's not even on here. Goddamn. Anyway, let's just fucking show Desmond Green because he's beautiful. All right, we got Michelle Pereira against um, Danny Roberts. Uh, this is a fight I'm very intrigued by due to the strict fact that Michelle Pereira uh, brings this fucking wacky, wild style. Like, it's he's pretty much implementing all of uh, Capoeira into his into his fights and does not give a fuck. Like, he's, like, jumping off cages and fucking doing moonsaults and doing all this crazy shit. And he's been able to beat some guys, um, but... Against a technical striker like Danny Roberts, I think he's going to have his work cut out for him a little bit. Um, however, I think the fact that we have seen Danny Roberts have chin issues in the past, the heat that Michelle Pereira throws at, as well as uh, you know sometimes the, the unorthodox nature of his strikes and the angles that they're coming from, I think that's going to create a little bit of a... Uh, a problem for Daniel Roberts at times. You know, Roberts likes to say very technical, uh, you know, very good kickboxer, very good with his hands as well. Uh, but I think that that weird style of Pereira might throw him off a little bit. And again, like I said, with the heat that the, that Pereira throws with, I think that, uh, you know, the plus 220 tag that he's currently at is a little bit of a steal, if I'm not mistaken, like if I'm not being completely honest here. I mean, like it, it's, it's ridiculous that most people have such a high 
value of Daniel Roberts. Like again, very good technical striker, but he has shown much chin, many chin issues in his past. And I think with a guy that throws with as much heat as Pereira, uh, I wouldn't be betting fucking Daniel Roberts on minus two forties, which I, which is what I currently saw him at. Uh, so. I would say take advantage of that uh, Pereira money a little bit uh, if it's still sitting above plus 200 or so. Uh, but under that, you know, I think it should be lined a little bit closer than that. Uh, but I think there's a ton of value on Pereira there. So I'm going to take Pereira by first round KO. I think he's going to catch him with something crazy, um, you know. Uh, but I could absolutely see Daniel Roberts, you know, staying as composed as possible, trying to keep out of the range as much and win a three-round decision. But again, with the odds... I'm going to pick Pereira. I think he's going to put Daniel Roberts out. And that's going to be two times I've bet against Daniel Roberts. I don't have anything against Daniel Roberts. I'm being completely honest. But I think that uh, there are some certain situations where he is very fadeable. And uh, this might be one of those situations. Next up, we got Desmond Green against uh, Charles Jordan. So the UFC does a great job of keeping their website updated because they have a great picture of Charles Jordan in this general area here. I don't know if you guys can really see him. But yeah, he's fucking... Yeah, that's him, Charles Jordan. Uh, Desmond Green said he wanted to fight really quickly against, uh, or sorry, he wanted to fight quickly because he wanted to fight in his hometown of uh, Rochester. So he got a quick victory over Ross Pearson March 30th, and he jumps right back into the game here. Not a lot of people were willing to take this fight because it's such a, you know, Desmond Green pr presents such a difficult style to deal with. Uh, but <clears throat> that gives a young upstart and it's somebody who's not even signed to the UFC an opportunity to kind of, it's kind of like they're hazing. You know, when they bring in these guys on roughly short notice, you know, this is about a month and a half or so notice for Charles Jordan, who just recently fought as well. Uh, but it's kind of just a way for these guys get to get into the UFC. It might be not, it might not be the most favorable matchup, but it's a win-win. You know, you get the victory, you beat a, a, a top contender like Desmond Green and you skyrocket into the rankings or you lose, but you're still in the UFC. You're still guaranteed another fight. So not, not too bad on Charles Jordan for taking this opportunity. But there is a reason Desmond Green is at minus 500. It is easily and, you know, very evident if you watch Charles Jordan's last fight when he fought Damian Lapalus on a day's notice. He was supposed to fight Jesse Ronson that day. However, the commission would not clear him because he had some sort of skin infection. Why they waited until fight day, I have no fucking clue. I've heard wonky things about the Quebec Commission. Uh, actually, I've seen wonky things by the Quebec Commission since I worked there a couple times too. <laughs> um, but... <clears throat> With Charles Jordan, you're getting a guy who has a very flashy style, kind of like an Anthony Pettis type of guy. Um, you know, uh, likes likes to be flashy, but it still has the very good technical Muay Thai aspects with his leg kicks and you know push kicks, very good push uh, push kicks. Uh, but his issue is his wrestling, uh, and I think that's where Desmond Green has a significant advantage. And sometimes he doesn't lean on it that much, but I think in this fight he's definitely going to lean on it. Especially like his coaches must have watched his Charles. Charles's last fight and that is the easiest path to victory even though Charles Jordan, Charles Jordan got the victory in that fight he won in the fifth round you know Damian Lapalus was only preparing for a three-round fight that night however he got pushed into the main event pushed into a five-round fight and Charles, Charles Jordan why am I so stupid with this guy's name <laughs> Charles Jordan was able to capitalize on Damian Lapalus's uh lack of a gas tank and really get the finish in that fifth round due to the fact of you know just having a notch more uh, in the power and uh, ability to keep the fight going. So, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of Charles. Uh, I've actually been following him since his amateur career. There's a bunch of times where I went out to Montreal to, to corner some guys I used to work with uh, who were just in the amateur circuit at the time. And Charles and his brother were on that circus, Charles and Louis. Uh, Louis still fighting for TKO, very young kid, a lot of promising talent for him as well. Uh, with Charles Jordan, he started on the same circuit. And, you know, he's skyrocketed to 9-1. and one. He only had one loss to a guy in TJ Laramie who was definitely a prospect just as much as he is. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised that uh, he's even willing to take a fight with this, uh, with Desmond Green, who presents a similar style to a TJ Laramie, but in a more aggressive uh, and, a, you know, a higher weight class too, which is kind of unfortunate for Charles Jordan. Uh, but I think that... Desmond Green is going to take this fight. Uh, I released it earlier today or earlier this week when I made my lock of the night play was Desmond Green and uh, Vicente Luque when he was supposed to fight Neil Magny. However, with Neil Magny pulling out, that parlay, which was at minus 216, now becomes minus 500 because it's just Desmond Green straight. So um, if you guys see that on my uh, on my page or anything like that, just remember that it's just Desmond Green minus 500. I don't know if Vicente Luque is going to get booked for another fight as of today, which is Tuesday of fight week. He has not been booked for anything. Uh, but just keep your eyes on my Twitter and we'll make sure that we, uh, you know, 
I can maybe advise whether you guys should still uh, parlay Luke uh, or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I still got five units on Desmond Green uh, at minus 500, unfortunately, due to the parlay uh, being busted with Neil Magny pulling out. So I'm going to take Desmond Green by, let's say, decision. Uh, you know, Charles is still pretty tough. He has decent jiu-jitsu, at least defensive jiu-jitsu. Uh, but, you know, I could absolutely see a finish for Desmond Green here too. Uh, but I'm going to say decision officially. All right. Next up, we got Aspen Ladd versus Sajara Eubanks. Um, this is actually a rematch. So Aspen Ladd is currently sitting around roughly around minus 290. She's coming off a very dominant victory over Tanya Avenger in her last fight. You know, which was kind of impressive. You know, say what you want about Tanya Evinger, but she was wrecking shop when when she, when she was an Invicta. So she is definitely a step up from most of the female talent that's out there. And very strong, too. Uh, Aspen Ladd was able to kind of just ragdoll her, though. She was just going ham on the ground and pound when she was able to get that finish uh, three minutes and 26 seconds into that first round. Uh and she continues just to show improvements, man. It's only been... The crazy thing is it's only been two fights since since she fought uh, Sajara Eubanks last. Uh, but she's made massive m amounts of improvements. And I think that's going to show out definitely in this fight. You know, a lot of people are saying that Sajara Eubanks might have this fight in the bag if it's able to hit the ground and she might have the advantage there. But I wouldn't be so quick to say that, man. I think Aspen Ladd could definitely hold her own a little bit on the ground. Uh, but I think she wants to keep this fight on the feet. And I think that's where she's going to do most of her damage. I think that uh, her pace and pressure is just going to be too much for Sajara, um, which is unfortunate for her, uh, especially with Sajara coming up in weight now too. It's going to be interesting to see how that could potentially affect her gas tank, maybe positively or negatively. Negatively, um, <clears throat> But I'm going to take Aspen Ladd here. I think she warrants that minus 290 favorite. She's just made massive amounts of improvements. Uh, would I better? I don't know. But I'm definitely going to take Aspen Ladd here. Uh, I'm going to say by decision. Next up, we got, ooh, jeez, I am having the worst luck with my goddamn slideshow that I try to make so pretty and beautiful for you guys. <laughs> I know that. All right. Davey Hamosh against Austin Hubbard. Austin Hubbard making his UFC debut uh, after having a quick stint in the LFA. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. This is one fighter on the card that I've yet to look into uh i don't know if i'm gonna look into him i highly doubt it i know davy hamosh is a beast and minus 500 i'm not interested in betting davy hamosh maybe in a parlay who knows but um you know I, i'm so high on davy hamosh uh i did not even bother looking into austin hubbard but you know with davy hamosh we're getting a very uh seasoned and highly talented jiu-jitsu player uh, who's been able to just choke out his last three opponents in the UFC. He had that unfortunate decision, unanimous decision, lost to uh, Sergio Moraes in his UFC debut. But I think that after to have a re rematch, uh, we might be able to see a better Davy Hamosh. However, Hamosh is coming off of three wins over uh, Chris Kruchmacher, Nick Hine, and John Gunther. Uh, he was supposed to, uh, actually, I don't know, even, nope, he was not supposed to fight somebody else before. Uh, so I have no idea why the fuck he's fighting Austin Hubbard. However, he should be getting a, you know, a step up in competition. He's a very talented guy. Um, I think that uh, he could definitely make it far in this division, in the middleweight division, welterweight division, welterweight division. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, I have no interest in this fight with Austin Hubbard. And I don't want to break it down too much, so I'm just going to tell you guys to go look at another capper. If you're interested in betting this fight, I just don't give a fuck, to be honest. Next up, we got Charles Oliveira versus Nick motherfucking Lentz. For the third time, we get him again. So when initially this fight was announced, I was like, why the fuck are they making this fight again? Um, you know, Charles Oliveira, current four-fight winning streak, choked everybody out. Clay Guida, Christos Diagos, Jim Miller, David Tamor. That David Tamor fight, man, he really showed improvements in his striking. You know, a lot of people thought that David Tamor was going to, you know, it was going to be a complete wash on the feet for Tamor. However, Charles Oliveira was doing the damn thing. You know, he, he really put it on David Tamor, really pushed him, uh, and then eventually got the Anaconda the Anaconda Cho finish in the second round. Forever tired, y'all. Huh. Um, but yeah, very. Uh, I think that Charles Oliveira warrants being a heavy dog. Over minus 300, I don't know. Uh, but one thing that is always a consistent in Charles Oliveira fights, and I think that if you guys look back at my past Rovo bets in his last fights, is that he does not like seeing the judges, does not like going to the judges, and I think that's going to be 
once again, very true. You know, in a fight with Nick Lance, I think he's going to be able to easily choke him out. The last time, I believe he choked him out via guillotine choke. Uh, the fight before that was actually a no contest due to an illegal knee. That was way back in 2011. Then they fought in 2015. And then four years later again, they fight in 2019. But, uh, you know, the vast amounts of improvements we've seen from Charles Oliveira, I think that he's just on another level right now. You know, Nick Lance is coming off a relatively uh, impressive victory over um, Scott Holtzman. I bet Scott Holtzman in that fight. Very discouraged when he, he lost that fight. But Nick Lance, you know, showing that he's still around, you know, 41 fights deep into his UFC or into his MMA career. Uh, he's still doing the damn thing, beating up and up and coming uh, upstarts like fucking Scott Holtzman. Uh, but I think he has his work cut out, cut out from here in Charles Oliveira. I think we see another, maybe a, you know another first round victory for Charles Oliveira via submission, and he's going to continue to push that fucking UFC record up. And I don't think anybody's going to catch him because this guy is just nuts, especially with how often he fights too. Uh, you know, I think that's very beneficial for him. Uh, but I want to see him get a step up in competition after this. He definitely needs to fight guys who are, you know, higher ranked. You know, David Tamer was a fun fight. It was a great fight because Tamer was on a great fucking run of his own too. Um, you know, the Jim Miller fight, I don't know why they did that one again. Uh, but now here he fights. Oh, sorry. I, I get why they made, did the Jim Miller one again, just so he could get that fight back. So I'm very happy for him in that aspect. But this Nick Lentz fight makes zero fucking sense. I have no idea why. Uh, but regardless, we're going to get a first round submission for Charles Dobronx Oliveira. Next up, we got the return of, for some reason, everybody's favorite, Megan Motherfucking Anderson. Um, she goes up against a new newcomer in the UFC, Felicia Spencer, who was the champion uh, over in Invicta before coming to the UFC. I got another yawn coming. And it's only fitting that's before this fight because I think it's my, like, don't give a fuck's fight. <laughs> All right. Ooh, it's coming. I need I need to be sponsored by Tim Hortons. You know, next time, if I don't show up with a Tim Hortons cup right here, slap me. Somebody virtually slap me. All right? Anyway, Megan Anderson uh, coming against Felicia Spencer off for victory against Kat Zingano. Unfortunate victory. An eye injury for Kat Zingano. It was one of the weirdest things you'll ever see. Megan Anderson's toenail clips Kat Zingano's pupil or some shit and gets her eyeball. Uh, and that fight is a, a TKO via eye injury. And Megan Anderson gets her first ever UFC victory. Unfortunately. like That's like the only way. However, in this fight against Felicia Spencer, um, Felicia presents a, a style that could potentially beat Megan Anderson. But I think the fact that she's giving up so much size and I think strength because Megan Anderson's a relatively strong fighter. I'll give her that. Um, and Felicia being so, you know, she's going to be giving up height for sure. I think uh, Megan Anderson's sitting at, what, six foot, and Felicia Spencer's at five, six. You know, she's she's going to give up She's going to give up plenty of size there. Uh, I think Anderson's going to be strong too, so I think it's going to be a little bit harder for Felicia to get this fight to the ground. And one thing, you know, was very evident in most of Felicia's fights is when, you know, she isn't able to get the secure, secure the takedown, she's, you know, she pretty much just pulls guard uh, and just starts fishing for submission. So, you know, it has worked for her now. You know, she's up to 6-0, and oh, so that's very impressive on her part. However, um, I don't know if it's going to work against stronger fighters uh, like uh, Megan Anderson, you know. Megan Anderson still has some flaws when it comes to like her takedown defense. She was pretty much getting handled by Holly Holm on the ground, um, you know, and Holly Holm is not really known for her ground work. Uh, but, you know, Felicia Spencer has choked out three of her last four opponents, finished four out of six of her opponents, uh, and she goes up against Megan Anderson here, again, with the style to kind of beat her, but uh, I don't really trust, you know, the, the size discrepancy here. Um, I, I was, you know... I pondered the Felicia Spencer underdog bet. Uh, you know, if that line gets to something ridiculous, then maybe I'd revisit it. But I really like Felicia. Uh, sorry, I think that Megan Anderson is going to get her next victory here. I think she's just going to bust up Felicia Spencer on the feet. Uh, uh, you know, her striking is, you know, significantly better than Felicia Spencer's. I must say. Uh, and again, with the size disadvantage. Uh, it's going to be tough for Felicia Spencer to close the distance. Uh, implement a heavy enough and strong enough takedown game plan, uh, especially with the range that she has to cover, uh, to be able to beat Megan Anderson. So I'm going to take Megan Anderson by decision. I'm not really, you know, Felicia Spencer is pretty tough, but uh, 
You know what? Actually, I'm going to take Megan Anderson by second round. Uh, knee KO. I'm going to take her by like a clinchish KO. She's going to get the Muay Thai plum somehow and just knee the fuck out of Felicia Spencer and get the finish. So I think she, you know, with knees and elbows, I think Megan Anderson's going to get this fight done in the clinch after, you know, shucking off with some of Felicia Spencer's soft takedowns uh, and then get the finish uh, via TKO. So, yeah. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I am picking Megan Anderson to win this fight. Next up, another fight that I don't seem to have a slide available for. I still don't fucking understand how I skipped all of this shit. Oh, nope. There we have it. And for some reason, they don't have Antonio Carlos Jr.'s fucking picture. They have had Antonio Carlos Jr. on their uh, fucking tough Brazil. Yet they can't even put him on fucking... Gotta be kidding me, man. He has been fighting in the UFC since... Since 2014. How do you not have a picture of him? Ugh. Ugh. I wish I have... I'm going to get my man to put fucking a Crystalia soundboard in here because that motherfucker has the greatest soundboard and I will fucking do it. But that deserves... Eh, fuck. Hope some of you are Crystalia fans so you guys understand what the fuck I'm talking about. Regardless, we got Antonio Carlos Jr. against Ian Heinrich. Um, Carlos Jr. coming off a victory over Tim Boach back in April of 2018. So it's a bit of a layoff. Like I said, anything about a year, it gets a little sketchy. He comes in against a tough guy in Ian Heinrich, who is 12-1. and one. Um, You know, Ian Heinrich's only vic- or loss has come to Marcus Perez via submission. Um, and it was kind of anticlimactic as to how that submission happened, too. I was kind of unimpressed in how Ian was able to get caught in that. However, you know, he rattles off two wins in the LFA gets a win in Dana White's Contender Series and then finds himself in the UFC against Cesar Fajera, winning the biggest fight of his career. Uh, he was supposed to fight Tom Breeze back in March of twenty six or March uh, of 2019. However, Tom Breeze pulled out due to health concerns, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't want to get into that. That's a whole other podcast on its own. But uh, here he finds himself fighting Antonio Carlos Jr., uh, who brings a dangerous jiu-jitsu game. You know, Carlos Jr. is a massive motherfucker. You know, he won Ultimate Fighter Brazil at, in the heavyweight division, and now he fights at middleweight. I think he's going to have a size dis- or size advantage over Ian Heinrich here, and it's going to be interesting to see how Ian Heinrich implements his uh, grapple-heavy-ish game, pressure-heavy game, against a guy who wants to close the distance, wants to get this, get this fight to the ground, and his kind of looking slightly better with his striking you know he he looks decent with his striking but obviously his strength is his his ground game i think that this fight is somehow some way going to find his way to the ground and i think that carlos Jr. is going to be able to take over there um, i see a lot of money coming in on ian heinish i know a lot of people love betting him uh, roughly around plus 200 plus 180 i can see why i get it but as long as the price gate keeps getting better on carlos jr there's a certain point where you got to be like wait a second all right we got to go with carlos jr here maybe minus 160 Maybe that's roughly around the, the price. But uh, Carlos Jr., I think, should win this fight. I think that uh, he will catch Ian Heinrich in a, in a submission. I think, uh, let's say, second round-ish. We're going to get a second round submission for Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, and I can't wait to continue to see his ascent. You know, The Daniel Kelly loss was very unfortunate, especially the Patrick Cummins loss, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a big one for him, uh, especially against a guy who has such... Uh, such heat behind him, especially after a Ian Heinish win. So I'm going to take Carlos Jr. by second round submission. That moves us on to our fucking main event. <clears throat> we got Rafael Dos Anjos against Kevin Lee. Let's round of applause. Where's my round of applause button? Nope. <laughs> we need a round of applause, seriously. Nope. There we go. A round of applause for Rafael Dos Anjos for taking stylistically the most... How long is this fucking applause track for? <laughs> All right, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, people. Thank you. Um, hats off to Rafael Dos Anjos for taking such a compromising stylistic matchup for him in, in his last two fights, for sure. Kobe Covington, 
Kamaru Usman, relentless wrestling, wrestling pressure, able to get the fight down whenever they need to, and just absolutely control Rafael Dos Anjos, who is kind of dwarfed, especially by Kamaru Usman. You know, Kamaru Usman is one of the thicker, bigger 170 years out there, especially being the champion. Now, there's good reason as to why his style is so successful. Um, Kevin Lee, you know, another guy who's, uh, you know, relatively big into that 155 division. Uh, you know, let's not forget Rafael Dos Anjos made most of his best work at 155. So he is also a, welter, uh, a former lightweight. So I, I believe Kevin Lee will still have the size advantage here. However, I don't do not think that Kevin Lee has the same style that Kamaru Usman and Kobe Covington were able to implement against Rafael Dos Anjos. He might be able to do that for about two rounds, but I think that Dos Anjos, you know, his leg kicks are going to add up. Uh, he is definitely the better striker, and we we have seen in you know the past Kevin Lee's. Uh, kind of his his confidence leave him throughout fights. And I think that Rafael Dos Anjos is a, is a good five-round fighter and able to get these victories. Uh, I think that he will outstrike Kevin Lee. I think he will give up takedowns in the first two rounds or so, maybe the first round and a half. Um, but then I think in the later rounds, he started gonna, he's going to kind of put it on uh, Kevin Lee, and I think he's going to be able to win at least three rounds to get the victory. So... <clears throat> Uh, mid last week, the odds were roughly around plus 140-ish, plus 150-ish uh, for Dos Anjos. And now the line has flipped. Rafael Dos Anjos is a slight favorite. I'm hoping that we can eventually get him back down to plus money. I think there might be some late love coming in on Kevin Lee and a lot of people being kind of slew or uh, kind of sleazed by the, the the wrestling style that Kevin Lee has. But a lot of people are forgetting who the fuck Rafael Dos Anjos is. So you can't just... Uh, I love my man. Uh, I think it's MMA bets and knockouts, whatever. I think that's his name. MMA knockout bets, I think. I feel bad for not remembering exactly what it is, but he kind of introduced the term wiki capping to me. And if you were to wiki cap this fight, you know, knowing you know the the, the general amount you know about these guys, you would think that Kevin Lee has the the definite advantage here. But you really got to look into this fight. I think those seniors has the ability to keep this fight on the feet after the second round uh, or midway through the second round and then do his work on the feet and really hurt Kevin Lee uh, and really put it on him. And we see a similar kind of, maybe a later finish, maybe a fourth-round finish or a fifth-round finish for Dos Anjos. Uh, but I'm definitely strong on Dos Anjos here. I like him. Uh, I think he definitely has the tools to win this fight um, and should not have been the underdog. So, if he again, if he gets back to the plus money, there's definitely something wrong with that. I think that Dos Anjos, this is definitely Dos Anjos' fight to win. Um... And just as a stupid little tidbit, uh, last time he lost two fights, he went on to win three fights after that. So maybe we got the start of a three-fight winning streak coming up. But I think we got we got a Rafael Dos Anjos victory here. Uh, and yeah, he moves on and, and tries to reclaim his spot in the, the welterweight title run. But eventually I think that maybe hopefully we see him back at 155 because I think he could still definitely put some work in there uh, and have, uh, if he can cut down comfortably and healthily, <laughs> healthily, properly, uh, he should be okay, and he should have, again, plenty of success at 155, but I think this is a fight that he's going to win at 170, uh, and unfortunately for Kevin Lee, you know what I mean, like, he went from being a very top prospect, a lot of guy, a lot of people were high on him, but, you know, he has some mental lapses, and I think that's going to, that continues to catch up with him, and you cannot have mental lapses when you're fighting a guy like Rafael Dos Anjos, who's such a veteran of the game, and has seen a similar style, uh, a much stronger style, uh, but I think he'll be able to prevail this time and get the fifth round finish, let's say fifth round finish. So yeah, that's UFC Rochester, man. We're off for a week after this since we've had, I think, eight, six, seven, or eight straight UFC events. I think we're right back into it with another five or six straight UFC events after, um, you know, we got UFC Rochester, then we got a free weekend, and then after that, we're back at it for UFC Sweden, I think it is, uh, which is headlined by Alexander Gustafsson and Anthony Smith. Very fucking out for that card. There's a couple of interesting fights on there, especially Alexander Rakic against Jimmy Manua. Y'all know how big I am on Rakic, so uh, really excited for that fight. But um, like I said, I already have, let's see, one, two, three, roughly four bets already posted on my website, MMALOTN.ca. Make sure you guys go to picks and uh, very reasonable price range for a guy that puts in as much work as I do. Um, you know, maybe I should charge it a little bit more, but 
I haven't had the best run of late, uh, or at least in the the in twenty uh, in twenty nineteen. But I, I've been really putting it together, which is why my you know paid versus pre policy is coming into effect here. Three straight winning events, and we move on to paid picks. I got the hot hand, and I'm hoping to keep it. I got a lot of I got a lot of fights that I'm really you know confident in, uh, and I think I'm gonna have up to six bets for this card. Uh, just waiting on a couple lines to shake out. Um, but again, four four bets posted. One of them is kind of free now. Uh, again, like I said, it was supposed to be Desmond Green and Vicente Luque. Uh, it was five units at minus 216. However, with Neil Magny pulling out, uh, we have um, a straight bet, unfortunately, on Desmond Green at minus 500. So I wouldn't recommend playing that straight. I would recommend parlaying him with somebody. Uh, who that should be is up to you. It's my official play is unfortunately going to be minus 500 straight on Desmond Green and then I have three other bets posted right now with two more to come so again support your boy let me support your boy plain and simple <laughs> all right uh everything you need mmalotn.ca uh I'm always active on Twitter at mmalotn uh make sure you guys like subscribe rate the shit uh I love to talk some shit in the, the comments there's one motherfucker I'm not going to name him but uh he's really hating on me for my BJ pen bet it fucking came through. I'm not going to, or sorry, the Clay Guida bet. Um, he came through. I'm not going to rub it in too much, but this is my moment to rub it, rub it in, so fuck you. But it's all good. It's all good. It's usually love in the comments. I love discussing with you guys. So hit me up. Let's talk. Um, and we're going to probably give away a mug on the next episode. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Uh, pretty easy way to enter, uh, but it should be fun and uh if you guys haven't seen the mugs we made a ton of fucking mugs with a bunch of funny mma quotes on them make sure you check out the the mma twitter I, i've definitely um put them on there and posted on posted them on there uh but i got some fun shit and it was all thanks to you guys i asked for suggestions and you guys killed it so um again that's it www.mmalotn.ca at mmalotn on twitter like subscribe rate all that shit see you guys Next week when we record Combat Stories, hopefully, got to confirm one my man, Big Rob. Uh, and then after that, uh, we're going to be breaking down UFC Sweden. Uh, and I'll be back for episode 40. Can't believe it's going to be fucking 40. And the heart, BT Dubs, is for Robbie Woods. We're going to make sure that we always got the heart there just to signify the special guest uh, of Robbie Woods. But that's it for me. I'm done. I'll see you guys on Twitter at MMALOTN. Until next time. Peace.